Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Tez International Podcast with me, your host, Dan Worth. Today's guest is Evan Tabise, Principal of Oak International School in Kampala, Uganda, who talks to us about the challenges and opportunities of leading a growing school, from hiring new staff, building accommodation for these teachers and expanding classroom sizes. She also touches on the importance of ensuring teachers have a consistency in their teaching methods and how they work with children with special educational needs and disabilities. All that and lots more on the TES International Podcast. Evelyn, thank you so much for joining us for the TES International Podcast. Really great to chat with you. Um, before we go into the main topic of our conversation, just tell us a bit about you, your role in the school, how you came to be there, and a bit about the school itself. You know, what sort of ages are you working with and what are some of the sort of key focuses you have with your pupils? Thank you very much for having me. I'm very delighted. I'm called Ikor Kundo Tuebate Evelyn. My name is a kind of organic. I am a head of school at Oak International School. Uh, I am a trained teacher by profession and I've been teaching for the last 10 years or 15 years uh, to 15 years. I have taught in international schools in Rwanda and back home in Uganda, I had an opportunity to train some uh, some teachers in Rwanda who were, when they were transitioning from Francophone to, to English. Mm. So that is more about myself. I have been at Oak International School since its inception. It is fairly good, a young school. Uh, we've been in operation for the last six years or so. We offer the Cambridge curriculum and we have a growing population of 168 children from the ages of crash to which is about eight months, 18 mm-hmm. months crash yeah. to year nine at the moment. So our classes are fairly small classes and we are fairly uh, affordable international school in Uganda, in Africa. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and are most of your pupils from like local families or is it some also some, some expats in the country or is it a bit of both? Yes, a bit of both because uh, we have a lot of, uh, of mixed racial marriages. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of, uh, of, of refugees that have come to our country from Congo, from Sudan, and they would want their children to have a good education. So we have a mixed race, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, but mostly of African children, if I may say it that yeah. way. I don't know if that's right. Yes. So we have about two or three Caucasian children. Yes. Excellent. Oh, that sounds very interesting. And yeah, very, a very diverse cohort, no doubt. Um, excellent. Well, well, with that, with that, that sort of scene setting then, which, which I think is really sort of helpful. Um, tell us a bit then about how you, we're talking about staff um, recruitment and retention particularly. So how do you go about that? Because again, tell us a little bit about the type of teachers you have. Again, are they, are they, are they locals from the country or you've got, you know, got international teachers coming in again, a bit of both. How are you reaching out to them and finding the, the right people for the school? Because I can imagine, you know, coming to your sort of location, maybe not at the top of everyone's sort of list of places to go, but actually probably a lot to offer them when they do come to you. When we started the school, we had local recruitment. Most of our staff was from here. Uh, but as we grew, there was demand from our clientele uh, who needed more uh, expert teachers, we call them expert teachers, uh, who are native speakers because in most of our countries, English is the second language. So we had that demand and how did we recruit? 
yes, we advertised the post on our website and we got uh, some teachers that came along and applied for the position. We scanned them and we got those that we got one actually who is currently our curriculum coordinator. She's from the US. She's a trained teacher. She has worked uh, in Ghana before. So I think coming to Africa was much easier for her. Uh, this year, as we, we grew to expand because the mm. demand also is more that they want more expert teachers and we have been able to, to get some, some, some teachers yeah. reach out who are in the UK, in Russia and, and all yeah. that. Yes. Uh, there are also some local firms here. Uh, that are recruitment firms that do a bit of, of, of recruitment for teachers. Uh, though we try to have discussions with them and they were also well out of our budget. So usually one of the challenges since we are a growing school is that how much are we spending onto a site to, rec to, to, to advertise yes. for a teacher? How do we, my other question, the other question was how do we retain staff? So we, we, for our international experts, we, we have to cater uh, if it, an expert is coming with family, where will they have their housing, how would they have flights once they are back home, and also pay them a salary that can be able to help them live uh, in an, a, a mid-range budget. How do we also retain our local staff is that we try to give incentives like uh, child benefit. So if you are a teacher at our school, your child will get a benefit to study at our school free of charge with no extra cost. We offer incentives like lunch. We offer incentives like medical care. And we also do things like staff retention. How do we keep staff motivated? We have teacher of the month where you will get a small package after you have been voted uh, following our criteria of what we're looking at as a mm -hmm. teacher of the month and you will get. We also give out small packages on big holidays like Christmas uh, where we feel that uh, maybe it's a time to give and we give our family small hampers for things that people can use at, at in their homes. And we, yeah, those are some of the things that we do. That's very interesting. And and when you talk about... um. When you're looking for staff to come to the school, and, and again, you know, what what are you looking for from, from staff? You know, what kind of teachers are you after? Is it is it again? Is it teachers that have been trained in a certain system, or is it that they're, they're sort of comfortable coming to work in your sort of part of the world? What what sort of things do you want a teacher to be able to sell to you almost? We're looking for a qualified teacher because we we are offering the Cambridge curriculum, so we need a teacher that is qualified and uh, is able to bring that knowledge to our school. Uh, part of the, the reasons why we've been struggling, um, like I said, is, is that we, we're looking for creative teachers, hands-on teachers. So that is one of the things that we expect an, an international teacher or an expert teacher to bring to our community, uh, to have a diverse uh, of, of ideas uh, on how can, if we have maybe going back to also our teaching methods, if we, we are teaching mathematics and we usually find the challenge that children struggle with understanding the concepts. So how best can this teacher bring out different ways 
of how do we teach these concepts, maybe a multiplication, addition, and uh, cut across, give learner support, because uh, that is also another challenge. So we're looking for a teacher that has a diverse uh, ability and more ideas that you can bring to, to this community. And I think that comes with experience, with exposure, um, and with the self, uh, when you teach yourself every other time and, and learn of the new trends that are happening in the education mm. sector. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was where you said about um, housing and, and if they have maybe have children coming with them or something like that. Again, how do you specifically help them with that? Is it something that you as a school provide accommodation for or do you help like them do you introduce them to people who can then help them find somewhere? I mean, how do you as a school, because obviously, you know, if you find someone good, like you're saying, you want to make sure they can come and feel settled and get on with the job. So how do you help with that? So apparently the, the, the people that we have had uh, do not have family. Uh, it's just right. one person and she came with her boyfriend. So I was able to connect them with some houses around and they looked out and said, okay, this, this apartment, we like this apartment. We, we don't like for some reason or another. And, and we have a budget. We say if we, we're giving an apartment of say $300 mm. a month. So we have to work within that budget. So yes, that is how we connect them. Or if you want to find a budget on you or a place of your own, of your own comfort, we could give you that money and let you find what is more comfortable for you. Yes. And do you think that's something you, if the school grows, do you think, you know, do you anticipate having to do more of that kind of work or, you know, do you, do you, or, or having to sort of help settle people more? Cause I guess it sounds like the school's growing. So again, it's going to be a, a, a challenge, but a good challenge in the future, maybe to do that more often. Yes, actually, in our long term plans would be maybe to build apartments for teachers so that you have the good, uh, nice accommodation so that if you're getting expert teachers, they, they have an apartment near the school where you can say to them and, and mm. that if they are okay living yeah, in, in apartments, they could stay there. Yes, so that is our long term plan that we look at as we grow. Yes. And it's a long-term plan, just saying, but do you, would you imagine it would be on the school grounds or would it be sort of nearby so they could sort of be around the school the whole time? I, I think nearby, not in the school because our property isn't that right. big enough. Uh, so it could be in the neighborhood, in a place where they could easily walk to school uh, because our school is actually a day school. So... Uh, they could be able to come in and do their work at, at yeah. leisure. And is that something you're, you, is that an idea you've taken sort of from elsewhere? Like you said, you worked in Rwanda before, was that something you did there? Or is it just something you've read about or, or heard other schools doing? Or is it more just something that you've sort of thought, actually, this would be the best way of making this work for everyone? Yes, when I worked in Rwanda, because I was leaving Uganda and going to another country, the school sat on a 33-acre piece of land. So they had initially built houses for teachers and we lived within the school. So that is something I have seen. It makes much uh, work much easier for the teacher and the comfort of knowing that you're next to your workplace. Mm. Yes, I, I have seen it and it is something that I, I, I anticipate if we had, it would cut our costs and make life much easier. Yes, that makes a lot of sense because uh, um, a lot of international schools say one of the big challenges is, is you know, people, the cost particularly of traveling out and set, settling somewhere new, finding somewhere to live. 
learning where everything is. And if you can say to them, well, we've got accommodation that can help get you settled. You'll be living with other staff so they can help you, you know, build a little community of friends. Seems like it would tick a lot of boxes and make life a lot easier for them. Yes, yes. I think that would work much better. Yes, please. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's something we need to to look at as, as we grow. Yeah. Yeah. A very, yeah. That's a very interesting insight into, into how an intellectual school grows and the sort of challenges you may face and, 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 and the positive things you can do. Um, do you have a, do you have a, again, I, you know, not want to give away maybe all, all you're up to, but do you have a sort of a view on when that is like, you know, what is there like, is the growth such that clearly you're, you're thinking about that? So you, presumably there is strong demand for your school and what you can provide that makes you think, you know, we're going to have to start thinking about this. Are we talking three years or five years? Do you, do you have a view on that? Okay. Right now, at the moment, as we prepare for next academic year, we are expanding these classes. So we're doing a project on, on building a school, more classes. So maybe I could say in about two years' time, seeing how would the numbers grow in two years' time, because now our classes have grown and it has pushed us to having to look for a place to have more construction for more bigger classes. So maybe we can't do too many things at the go. So if we finish the classrooms and then maybe that would be something that we'll think out since we are also trying to look in that sense of hiring more international teachers. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that is quite quick growth though, isn't it? To talk about that, like two years time is not a long time really to have the growing classrooms and then thinking about more teachers and it shows, doesn't it, I guess, that there's the real demand for, for the type of education you offer, I suppose. Yes, 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 there is. Yes, yeah, we, tremendously there is. Yeah, nice, so not, not a nice position to be in. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you must keep, but um, for you as, as, the, as the head, you know, is that, you must always be very busy, you know, look, one minute you've got to deal with presumably something in, you know, very school related on that day. And then you've got to think long-term strategy about yes. more teachers, more buildings, you know, quite a varied job for you, I imagine. Yes, I, I know it is. It is very hectic. That's why I, I was telling you, we need to have this after school because yes. the school I get interrupted with so many things. Yes. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And, and on that point that we, we said we were going to talk a bit about some of the teaching methods, and I suppose that brings this all together, doesn't it? Is if you've got that growing demand and you know, presumably that's because people are seeing what you offer and see that it's sort of the quality they want and it means you need more teachers, it needs you mean more grounds. What, what are some of the ways that you sort of think you're providing the, the quality of education they want? You know, what are the teaching methods you're using? And what is, is there anything sort of different or interesting or unexpected that you do that you could tell us about as well that appeals to people? Yes, yes. Actually, what we have done is uh, we have tried to identify uh, abilities of children and given more support. So we have what we call support classes. You, you find that you have a year one class and you have about 21 children and five of them uh, maybe struggled with their phonics. They did not because of COVID and all these wars that people are moving from one country to another. So the child did not have proper foundation years. And the child is about, uh, has grown and is about six years to seven years. So the child is not able to go back to reception in, in the, 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 the other classes to learn the phonics. So what we do is that we have put up what we call support classes where we find time on our timetable and we pull out these children to have phonics classes. So I think that individualized plan 
uh, of giving children more extra time depending on on their abilities has been one of our selling points and this is what we're looking at we, here in in africa we have also not initially we did not know things like children being on the spectrum and all the learning disabilities dyslexia okay they're not disabilities but uh, how can i term it uh, dyslexia and all that so children were not taking care of those so what has been our selling point is that we have been able to identify and give more support through our lsss learning uh, department if a child is dyslexic how can we help this child to learn so we identify that problem and then uh, help the child in that particular area to be able to make sure this child is able to, 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 to learn. If a child is on a spectrum for, because the spectrums differ and maybe they are struggling with uh, settling, um, they, they are very hysterical, what do we do? So we have brought in those different kinds of things that can cater to, to different needs of the children. And uh, that is why we, we are looking at the, the teaching methodology, because initially when you look at our teaching practice here in Africa and in Uganda, is that everyone is bundled in a class and the teacher will teach. So the child, you are about one teacher teaching about 60 children, of which our classes are smaller. Uh, we, we, we work on the ratio. Uh, what is the ratio of teacher ratio to the children ratio? Uh, we have put in teaching assistance, which is not some of the things that happen in our local schools out here. It is rare for a school to be hiring two teachers in a class where a teacher needs support and uh, the support of the assistant teacher maybe will be to work with the children that are not, uh, that we call them low achievers and help them to be able to achieve with the, with the higher achievers or be able to understand the concept at their own pace. Yes, that's that's very interesting and a lot of things there. And, and some of the things you mentioned there, I mean, schools in England, you know, were, were are struggling with that post-pandemic, you know, the younger pupils maybe not being up to speed on phonics or not being as good at just not being sort of able to be in school and, and feel relaxed and not, you know, cause problems with other students, you know, that that's something that's still a problem in, in, in the UK and indeed elsewhere. So it's interesting that, you know, all over the world, those sort of problems exist and, and also very interesting. Yeah. You know, so you're not, you're not alone on that. And I suspect there were people listening who, who know that, yeah, you know, that, that's probably working with pupils in, whether that's in, you know, in, in America or in, in the Far East or something there where it's, the pupils are, you know, very capable, but because they didn't have the kind of good foundations because of COVID, because they missed a lot of school. They're coming into school and actually they're not as ahead as where they need to be. And so it's interesting that's, you know, a problem for yourselves that you're tackling as well. And the other thing I wanted to ask from what you said was when you talk about, you know, children being on the spectrum and how you work to support them and, and, and provide for them. So one thing that international schools tell me sometimes is that when they have parents, you know, paying money to come to their school, for their child to come to the school, and if they're in a culture where those sort of, um, you know, issues of, like you said, like, you know, having, having educational needs, is not always a, a wanted thing. Being told about that is not always appreciated at first, at least. Do you ever encounter that? And do you ever have to sort of explain to parents, well, look, actually, this is better for your child because we can teach them properly now, we know. Oh, my goodness. That is actually one of the biggest struggles is acceptance. It is acceptance, first and foremost, for, for a parent might not even be aware. 
uh, that the child is having learning challenges. Uh, and for you to be able to sit down and tell this parent, I've had a parent who has actually taken away a child from the school because our school counselor uh, identified that the child had learning challenges and we suggested that maybe uh, they go for a test, like try to, to go for a psychological test or something, those, those tests they do. And, and, and it broke and said, you're saying my child is mad. We said, no, we did not say the child is mad. We're saying the child has learning challenges. So we thought maybe if we did a diagnosis, then we would understand how best can we help. So that is one of the things. And it is a constant explanation of how will my child be able to to benefit because usually when they go to to see doctors they they encourage them to have the children in a school setting uh, depending on the spectrum there could be a child who is unable to talk and they say maybe if you send the child to school they will be able to to see their friends and maybe mimic and learn and when they come first day, because we're saying, okay, we are going to have uh, like an, 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 how do we call this, a uh, chat of, of the things that we are going to work on. It is step by step. We are going to first work on the concentration. Is this child able to sit in a classroom for about five minutes without running out? Is this child able to, to associate and share with others? And they don't want it. They said, no, they told me, you said the child will talk, the child will write. And we said, we are not speech therapists, but we are going to work on first on the behavior and settling issues. Then we could seek the help of a, a speech therapist and see how best can we help the child. Yes, so that we have those challenges. First and foremost, there's acceptance. Uh, the acceptability is not well People are not, this information is not out there unless of recent when people are learning that there is autism, there is dyslexia, there is all these other forms. And the information is there, but also the acceptance is one of the things that we're struggling with. Yes. Again, I mean, like I say, there, there, are, there are schools in very other different parts of the world who have all told me the same thing. You know, they, they, uh, they, they, talking to parents about this can be the hardest thing, you know, because they don't want to be told this because the society doesn't accept it because the information is lacking. And I suspect you'll say the same, but a lot of them say that most parents actually, once they talk to them and explain and show they're going to support the child, they kind of get on board. And it's only the small number that still find it difficult. Again, do you see that? Do most parents actually, once you talk to them, they sort of recognize that this is the best thing that they can help. And now that you, now that you know there's, a, there's something that needs working on, that's actually a better place to be. Yes, uh, I, I would just, uh, okay, just give blanket examples that in my school, we have about five children that are on the spectrum and differently, but on uh, among us, the five, I can see that two uh, uh, have accepted and they are okay and they're seeing progress and they are supportive. One is still in denial and, and still ac uh, not accepting. Others, they are not taking this child as a priority. Like you find you want to bring the child, but you're not taking this child as a priority. You do not want to pay fees for this particular child. You feel it should be a charity given on to this child, yet it is also not possible. Yes, but some positive, some uh, we're still on the journey. I guess uh, eventually we will get there. Yeah. 
Well, again, it's very interesting, isn't it? That you, you go to schools in, in places like Uganda, or I've spoken to people in Eastern Europe, in, in I say, in, in um, Asia. And actually, the challenges are quite universal. You know, they're quite similar. They're different environments and so forth. But, you know, you're talking about the same things that they are. And I suppose it shows that, you know, be able to sort of share those stories and make other people think, it's not just me who's, who's focusing. So it's not just our school, hopefully, is a positive for, for yourself and people listening to hear that. That's amazing, actually. Uh, I always find another challenge is that people feel when they take the children to maybe Europe or, or England or America, they'll get better services. So it's amazing to see that we share the same struggles uh, yes. around the, the world. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, overall, then, it, it does sound like, you know, for your school, it, it's growing and, and there's a lot there's a lot of... Um, you know, growth in terms of pupils, in terms of the staff, even actually the buildings and, and hope to combination. I mean, is there anything else that you're up to that, that sort of, again, you sort of want to celebrate or, or, or talk, tell us about? Or do you think that gives us a good overall view of your school and, and everything you're up to at the moment? Uh, okay, amazing. Uh, what is also good about, uh, what is amazing is that uh, I'm very impressed with the professional developments that we, we're giving out to our teachers mm. uh, where we're trying to to bring a whole uh, broader perspective on what is happening in the education world on how do you manage mostly the teaching methods in classes because you find that in our teaching colleges here people have been trained one method which mm. is the lecture method where a teacher will come and lecture but you find that the, the, the demands have changed. The children want to, to, to have, to have hands-on activities. The children want to, to be involved and the, the analyzing of issues, not to cram. You find that our education systems also teach us to cram, cram the mm -hmm. book by the cover. If you, you said this, I'm able to cram this book when you ask me a question, which is ultimately not in the same context or something that I need to think about or, or, or work upon. And, and that is how we have changed our teaching system and try to, to teach the children to be practical into their lessons. If I am teaching, finding um, my map, because we do the Cambridge curriculum, so you find most of these books have a map, say, of England, and they're saying they, 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 this is a, a map to the bus stop and the places where it passes. So it, we, we like to tell our teachers to make the children transfer that knowledge into our local context and, and be able to, to have it. So I think that is a different way of, of teaching that if, you're, if I'm going to, to direct you where I live, I should be able to, to use our local, our local locations and not go by what I read in the book, because if it will tell me, uh, I don't know, streets in London, but I could say maybe down, Downing Street, I don't, I don't have Downing Street here, uh, but because the book used that. So those are some of the things that we are proud of, that we are able to, to, to use, uh, see, banana, we, we're supposed to, to, we are able to use Scrabble in our classes so that they are more interesting and more hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, a very similar um, way of working that, that a lot of schools are trying to adopt, which is like you said, that sort of making sure that the teaching is local and relevant to where you are in the world. So it's not this kind of generic way of teaching or, or ignoring your local community. And, and again, making sure that it's, um, it's done so that the teacher knows how to adapt the teaching for the class in front of them 
rather than just, like you say, the lecture style, which is quite old fashioned, isn't it? And I suspect it persists, but actually that's not really where it's going anymore. So yeah, that also sounds like a really interesting piece of work that you're doing there. And is that easy? Like, again, when the, the teachers that come to you, are they, I guess you were saying they're mostly qualified, so presumably they, they sort of already teach that way. Or have there been some that have come in, but you've had to sort of, sort of shape them to be a bit more like, a bit more like that in the way you want? Yes, uh, actually, they come with from our colleges here, I think, and that's a, a policy problem that they've been talking about, mm. uh, that our, our Ministry of Education has to kind of overhaul the teaching system and everything and move on to the new trends of education that have happened. So you find that someone is from college or university and they have been taught that kind of style, which is the lecture method. So now that's why we have to do uh, professional developments weekly to be able to bring these new trends uh, and see how do you co-teach with, with, with another teacher? How do you differentiate your lessons? Uh, how do you pace your lessons? How much time should the teacher use to talk and how much time should the teachers, should the children be involved into the lesson so that they're not bored to listening to you. Imagine on in, in our weather is very hot on a hot Saturday, uh, Friday afternoon and someone's mm. talking, you definitely doze off. Yes, so we're trying to adapt with them because the teachers are locally trained, so we try to, to bring these experiences and that is why we're trying to source out expert teachers who can come with this other kind of knowledge out there and they're able to to also bring it into our communities. Yeah, excellent. And I suppose the last question, and if there's anyone listening to this who's thinking, you know, I'd like to come and help, I can, you know, obviously I've got the skills and it's, it's a great part, an interesting part of the world I've never been to. Tell us something about, you know, the school and where it's based in, in, in Uganda that again, like as a, as a place to live, what's it like? Like what are some of the, what are some of the fun, interesting, unexpected things you can do that might make someone think, you know what, I might want to move there. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So, uh, Oak International School is in Uganda, Kampala, which is the capital city. So we are better off in, in the town setting. Uh, we are in Makindi division and there's lots of things that you could do. Uh, if you, someone maybe came to our places, you would go to our national parks on the weekend. Uh, we, we have the jungle, we have the chimpanzees, we have, uh, the most beautiful waterfalls and Maxon Falls. The, the, the food is very amazing, very organic. The people are very friendly. Um, we, we, we say Kampala is a city of, of life. People party from January to December, regardless of the situation. So if you are a party animal, uh, that is one thing that would fit into your palate. Uh, yes. But most amazingly is that the people are very nice. Uh, people are very friendly. People are very warm. Uh, so you would feel at home in our community. And as a school, we also try to, to have a warm community where we, we, we shout out to our teachers, maybe in our meetings. We have a session where we say, I want to shout out. Maybe I would say, I want to shout out to Miss Jen for helping me. So to make everybody feel warm. Um, and and, uh, and 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 come and, and at home. So yes, uh, this would be the the next place if you are out there and you're looking for uh, a teaching opportunity outside uh, UK, outside Europe, or any other part of the world, and you want to try a new experience in not a very how can I call it in in a very 
organic setting, Bok would be the place to be. We, we're not flamboyant. No, we are not very expensive because if you come to Kampala, there are other international schools that are way, uh, maybe high end. We are, our target market is that uh, middle class citizen that would want to have a good education for the child, but then they don't have to rob a bank to do that or they, they're not <laughs> yes. a celebrity or they're not a footballer. So they, they, they just normal people that would save their money and get a good education. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. It sounds like, you know, if you're a nature lover, if you're, if you're a party animal, if you're, if you like a good, like fun school environment, there's a lot of, got of good selling points there. It sounds great. Yeah, sure. Excellent. More than glad to have you. So (laughs) you just go onto our website uh, and send in your CV. Yeah. Well, there you go. That sounds great. Well, well, thank you so much for, for chatting to us. Really interesting to hear about the work you're up to and the, and the challenges and the opportunities. And it's clearly all going really well, which is lovely to hear about. So as I say, thank you so much for sharing and, and good luck with all the plans and projects you've got on, on underway. And thank you for having me. This has been a great pleasure to talk about our school and to talk about this teaching profession that I'm very passionate about. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I appreciate it.